Come on, what's well, hard to preach after that? I mean, it's beautiful, it's the best news, but in all honesty, if I'm really honest, man, it, it's, it's the worst news, if you know what I'm saying, man. Um, I could say a lot, but we'll, we'll do that in your farewell. So let's get into the text, and let's uh, just honor God tonight. So Psalms 139, verse 14, if you want to turn to that, uh, you can, if you're new here. Uh, it's an honor to have you. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We got it up on the screen for you. But we're going to get into the Word tonight because I believe God wants to uh, just give you a gift tonight, a gift that he's already given you, but he wants to remind you of what you have. So Psalms 139, verse 14. This is David talking, a little bit of context behind the verse. David, uh, as, as Pastor Tim already uh, talked about Psalms not 18, um, and, and, or it was 18, I think, and 118, sorry, and uh, he already kind of explained that King David, and if you know this guy, if you're familiar with him, uh, he was an amazing man. Most of you may have known him from the story called David and Goliath, but uh, um, he, was, he was what you could call, he was pretty transparent, he was pretty vulnerable, he was pretty honest, and he had his ups and downs, his highs and lows, and he's, he's writing, and what a psalm is, is almost like a journal entry of a, like a lyric for a song. Psalm could also be, I think, translated into song. And uh, um, he's writing some pretty powerful things in this, in this passage in Psalm 139. So we're going to read it, and we're going to pray. Sound good, guys? Good. You guys are with me, even though I'm sure all your minds are like, oh, Tim, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's probably where mind is, my mind is right now. But, um, man, God's going to bless some cool things through his life and through tonight. So here we go. Verse 14. I will give... Thanks to you, for I am fearfully, everybody say fearfully, and wonderfully, everybody say wonderfully, made. Wonderful are your works, and the your in that is God. Wonderful are your works, God. And my soul knows it very well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for the legacy that Pastor Tim has had and is going to have. And God, we just pray right now that we could learn something from his life this evening, that he knows that you are in control of his life, that you have made him fearfully and made him wonderfully. And God, I pray that we would all recognize and come to know in our heart and experience that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So God, I love you and we thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So I got a question for you guys. Have you ever wanted to be somebody else before? Let's just be honest. It's like, man, I love to be Denzel Washington. I love to, you know, I love, you know, go to, I'd love to be Connor McDavid, the world's greatest hockey player to ever live. I mean, I love, have you ever, have you ever like admired somebody that you, or, or looked up to somebody or somebody you thought was amazing? But have, has anybody ever done that before in here? Has anybody ever had that? Well, I've had that. And I remember a time in my life, I was about 12 years old, and I was at this camp called Sunnyside. And uh, I, was, I was in this service, and it was one of the craziest moments of my life. And uh, I remember this, this moment where, you know, sometimes when the singer will start singing free praise, well, this, this person on the drums got inspired. He's like, I'm going I'm gonna to basically prophesy through the drums. And man, he was downloading the heartbeat of God through the drums, through a musical instrument. I remember for 10 minutes, he did this crazy drum solo. And I was like, who is this guy? 
Like, he's amazing. Like, I love this guy. Like, I'm like, Mom, I play piano. I want to play the drums now. I got to meet this dude. Piano sucks. Please, like, get me a lesson with this guy. And I remember that week was the week that I met Pastor Tim. If you didn't know, Pastor Tim's one of the best drummers on the planet. Definitely the best drummer in this room. And I'm like, Mom, please get me a lesson. So she did, and he sat me down on this beautiful black pearl kit and taught me the drums. It's my first lesson. And from that moment, I'll never forget, because I started playing drums, I wanted to be like Pastor Tim. I was in love. I mean, this guy, if you, as you know, I mean, I, mean, I mean, Pastor Tim, he is the full package. I mean, he's an amazing soccer player. He's good looking. He's one of the funniest people I know. I mean, if this, if this is a real skill, he only wears Abercrombie and Fitch and somehow he makes that cool. Like he's not even from California. Like, I mean, he's got an amazing wife like Devin. She's one of the most incredible women, most strongest, resilient person I know. He's married to an amazing woman. Man, he's got amazing kids. He's a Reno king. He's a fantasy football champion until he got me into it. I mean, he's an above average golfer. Like, this dude is the full package. He's the most resilient person I know, the most secure person I know, and I'm telling you, he's the full package. The only downside to him, because there's always a downside, and we're going to get honest here. The only downside to Pastor Tim is he is, if you've ever been to Sunnyside Camp, y'all know that there's these things called the eggs games that, in fact, Pastor Tim invented. And Pastor Tim has never won the eggs games. That's the only thing I don't look up to him in because I've won the eggs games. I'm legit. But one year I felt so bad for him. Like, I want to win his award. There's an award for the person who gets second, the oh-so-close award. And uh, I'm like, I'm just going to sympathy lose for Tim just because I want to be like him. And I did, and I, I look up to him, and from a young age, I wanted to be like him, and I still do. And there's people that we admire. There's people that we think are awesome, and it can be an extremely healthy thing. If you don't have a mentor in your life, you should get one. If you don't have a pastor that's pastoring you, get one. But on the flip side, and this is not my relationship with Tim because it's always pushed me to be myself, but have you ever envied someone? Have you ever been jealous of what they had? Have you ever wished that you were in their shoes, in their position? Whatever, financially or physically or their abilities or skills or their personality. Like, would you want to trade places? Has anybody ever been there before? Where you looked at someone, a celebrity, whatever, the Kardashians or whatever dumb celebrities we look up to these days. Not that the Kardashians are dumb. God loves them. But uh, God loves them. We'll just leave it at that. You know, have you ever wanted to trade places with them? Because I think if we're honest, maybe it's just me, but maybe it's you. We've had these feelings before. You know, there's been times we wish we were someone else. There's been times that I wish I didn't look the way I did. There's been times I wish I could do the things that someone else did. I wish I had the, you know, the money or stability of someone else. And we've all felt that way. Maybe you're in high school right now and you're like, man, I wish I looked like that person. Or, or I wish I had that athletic ability. Or I wish I had their, their academic ability, their, their brain. Or I wish I had more friends like that person. Or I wish I had more followers on Instagram like that person. Or maybe you're in college right now and you're 
you're like, shoot, I wish I had the grades of that person. Or, or I, I wish I had rich parents like them that they could pay for my school. Like, I, man, I didn't get any scholarships. I'm, I'm struggling over here. Like, I work at a coffee shop, and I can't even get my homework in on time. Like, it's hard. I wish I was that person. Or you're your, maybe you're into your career, and it's like, I'm not satisfied already with where you're at. Or, or you're looking at people up the chain wishing you had their position, influence, or wealth. Or maybe you're even in your marriage. And you have some major unmet expectations. And he's not home at night. And she doesn't cook like my mom did. And he, he, he struggles to be able to provide for me. Man, she isn't as pretty as she once was. I think all of us struggle with this reality sometimes. We're not happy. We're not satisfied. We're not okay with where we're at, which leaves us frustrated, which leaves us comparing ourselves to others, which, which leaves us to become jealous, which leads us to become insecure. And insecurity always leads to discouragement, which then in turn leads us into a deep, deep hole of being empty or maybe even the feeling of being depressed or anxious. You, know, you wish you had a different life. You wish you didn't struggle with this or that. You wish you had hope that things would improve. And David, the person who's writing this song, man, if we're honest and if you read some of his things, I think he had been in every single one of these places before. Man, if you look at his life, I mean, David, when he was a young boy, the prophet Samuel came to anoint to call out uh, a person of Jesse, the, the family of Jesse, to become the next king of Israel. And, and Jesse presented his sons, and he left David out. So Jesse went through all his sons, like, nope, none of these are them. You must have another son. He's like, oh, well, I have my son David. He's in the shepherd field. He's just chilling. He's, you know, he's, he, don't, don't worry about David. You know, he's probably scrawny, not good looking, and didn't have the physique of a king. And he got overlooked big time. Then he went to go and give some food to his brothers during the, during the war against the Philistines. And, and he, he sees Goliath mocking their people. And he gets mocked when he wants to go fight. Because he's like, who is this person that's mocking our God's people? He gets overlooked big time. And then he finally slays Goliath. And at that moment, he probably could have been anointed king. But then he goes on a 20-year journey of, of running from King Saul, of, of, of being in his shadow, of, of being called to be king, but has been overlooked. I'm sure he had moments where he wanted to be someone else. But at some point, he had to ask himself, you know, am I okay? Am I okay if I never become the king? I mean, we're barely okay if, like, I don't know, fill in the blank. It's like, oh, I didn't get, whatever. Like, you know, is it okay if, if, if this struggle, am I okay if this struggle never ends? And he had to come to terms with, because he wrote this psalm, am I going to be thankful for who God made me to be? Or am I going to be dissatisfied? And I feel like God's asking us that question this evening. Are we thankful for who God's created us to be? It says in this psalm that his soul knew very well. Is your soul thankful today? Is it okay? When you're alone with your thoughts and you look at yourself in the mirror, do you smile and say, thank you, God? Or do you frown and say, ah, oh, man, I wish 
I was someone else. Is your soul okay? And if, it's, if it is, great. Love you. You know, we can learn from you. But if it's not, which might be some of us in this room from time to time, or maybe somewhere in your journey, you're going to experience this. Where do we turn? What do we do? How do we respond to the, our deepest longing to be content? Well, I want to look back at the text because I think David actually answers it for us. And if in this moment you want to close your eyes and just listen to the text because I think it's so beautiful, or if you want to read along on the screen, you're more than welcome to do that. But we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. And I think there's something so powerful that I believe God wants to teach every single one of us this evening. So in verse 1 it says, Oh, Lord, this is David talking again, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high, I cannot attain it. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. Sheol just basically means death, the grave, darkness. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me. And the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as day. And darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. And I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful all your works, and my soul knows it very well. I think David's realizing two things here. The first thing is God's omniscience, and the second thing is God's omnipresence. Now, maybe you're like, oh, what are those words? They seem like really complicated biblical words. Maybe you do know them. Maybe I was just dumb when I was, you know, 18 and didn't understand these things. But, you know, what are these things? Well, the first thing, God's omniscience, we see from verse 1 to 7. And the Hebrew definition of this word is having an infinite awareness an infinite understanding, and an infinite insight. So that means in David's life and in our life that God knew everything that happened to you, God knew that it was coming. The best way I've heard this explained is God has like a bird's eye view, and he sees a railroad track, which is the track of our life, and he sees the direction that it goes. And he's up here, and he sees the beginning, and he sees the end. He knew every single thing that was going to happen to you. The second thing God knows, he knows how you feel. The second, infinite understanding. He understands how you feel. And the third thing God has, he has insight for you to overcome. But maybe some of you are in here and you're thinking, well, like, God, if you knew? And if, if you knew all this was going to happen to me, 
Man, if you knew my parents were going to get a divorce and it would ruin me. God, if you knew that I was going to lose my job. Man, if you knew that my friend was going to die in a car accident. If you knew, God, that my grandparents would die from cancer. If you knew all of these things. That caused me to be in the lowest place, in the darkest place. I mean, like, God, why, why did you let this happen to me? Why did I turn out this way? Maybe you're, some of you are thinking in this reality, why God, presently in your day, why God? If you knew, why did you stop? Why did you change it? I mean, I'm sure we've all said this before and we've heard it before. If you really love me, if you were really a loving God, you would have done fill in the blank. You would have done this for me. Maybe you've asked that question. And God's response to this, he's like, yo, son, daughter, I didn't plan it this way. This wasn't my initial intention. I'm sorry that life has got to you. I'm sorry this world is filled with pain. This wasn't my heart. This wasn't my attention. Man, when I made the world, if you read in Genesis, it was perfect. There was no cancer. There was no death. It was heaven on earth. You, we were naked and vegetarians. It was amazing. Like, there was no pain. There was no sin. He's like, I didn't plan it like this. And God says he sees that life has maybe got you down. And it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. He's like, I didn't plan it like this. This wasn't my intention through life. Son, daughter, I knit you in your mother's womb. I made you fearfully. I made you wonderfully. When I thought you up, I had plans to prosper you, Jeremiah 20 11. Not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And today, those plans are still intact. And I want your soul to know it. And do you believe God when he says that? Do you believe him? Do you trust God with your future? Because he's asking you that tonight. Is your soul okay with the future being in God's hand? Is it okay? I know mine is because I've wrestled with this, this, this reality a lot, and it's taken me a long time to get here. But if yours is not, and I can understand that, if, again, if you're new to the faith or you don't even know God, maybe you're like, ah, I do if he knew, it's still, still it's a hard thing for me to grapple with. But if, you, if, if yours, if your soul is not okay, well, David's realizing a second thing that he's also taking comfort in, which is the omnipresence of God. The Hebrew definition of omnipresence is present in all times and in all places. This is the second thing that David has realized, that God is always there, and he's taking comfort in that reality, that he could be in the heavens, God's there. He could be in the remotest part of the sea. God's there. Or he's on the wings of the dawn. God's there. Or that he could be in Sheol, which again I explained is a place of darkness, death, and the grave. He is there. And this is the same reality for us. Whether we're on top of the world, which may not be very often for a lot of us. Or whether we are in Sheol. When we're depressed. When we're angry. When we're discouraged. When we feel like giving up, when, we, when nothing is going my way, your way, and you say, man, James, man, I got no friends. I'm lonely. Man, I lost my job. I flunked out of school. My marriage is on the rocks. My family hates me. And you're in that place, and the true reality is 
is that he is there. He's there even though you feel like you're alone. And I want that to sink into our hearts tonight. That when you thought you were alone, he was there. When you thought he didn't see you, he saw you. When you thought he wasn't listening, he heard you. When you thought he didn't, wasn't in touch with your feelings or ignored your emotion, man, he felt your pain and your agony and his heart broke for you because he was and is there. And David finds comfort in this. That while he's being chased by King Saul, that he is there. That he's not alone. When he's being overlooked, God doesn't overlook him. And this evening, the second thing, can you find comfort in that? Can you rest your mind and your soul on the fact that God is with you always? And again, maybe today your soul is in Sheol. It's in deep Sheol. You could sub in another word there. Maybe it's in the deepest, darkest, worst point. Or maybe one day it will be. So in your moment, at least know that, like David, there's a God who is there that is omniscient, that he's aware, that he does understand, that he does have insight into your world, at least know that there is an omnipresent God who is in Sheol with you. He's there with you in your pain. He's right beside you, and his desire for you today and every day is to overcome all of those unfortunate circumstances. That's his desire. And Pastor Tim and I were chatting, this about, chatting about this earlier, and I'll read the verse again, and in verse 12, it's so beautiful because it says, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. And the darkness and light are alike to you. If you're in that place right now, number one, God is there in your darkness. But the real reality and the real truth of the gospel is that he is the light of the world and the hope of humanity. The hope of your life, and the situation that you're in maybe this evening or you're going to be in one day, he knew about, and he wants to bring light to you. But will your soul rest in the reality that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? I'm telling you right now, friend, your soul needs to know this full well. Why? Because when we realize that God has made us in his image, we become content with who we are. We're not longing, we're not striving, we're not looking, we're not proving, we're not, we're not reaching for somebody else's life. We become content with who we are regardless of the circumstance, trial, or whatever has happened to us. Because we all know that life is going to hit us hard. And if we don't come to grips with this reality, man, we're just going to spend our life pointing the finger at everyone else for our problems. Wishing we were somebody else. Wishing we had another person's life. My question for you tonight is, do you want to spend your life like that? Do you want to spend it like that? Wishing you were in somebody else's shoes. 
And again, maybe, you, maybe your soul is great and you know you're creating the image of God, but maybe there's going to be a moment because something I think that plagues our generation is comparison. Especially in the day of social media, the digital age that we're in. We, man, we can see exactly all the best things that are happening in somebody's life. We, and we're like, oh, man, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. We can, we can compare ourselves. Like, man, so-and-so is in Europe again. Oh, who would have thought? So-and-so just bought a new house, and I'm renting a basement suite. So-and-so just, just got married to this hot dude, and I am still single. We can compare ourselves. And we do if we're honest. That's not God's will for you. That's not God's heart for you. That's not God's desire for you. And do you know that? Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in his image? Do you know that? When we compare ourselves and wish we were somebody else, it's almost like a slap in the face to our maker. Like, I made you in my image, and you want to be somebody else? What's up with that? And God's gracious, and he's got thick skin, and he's, he's, he understands that we're just in the struggle. He understands the world we live in. He's not out of touch again. He's omni, omniscient. He, he understands, and he has an awareness, and he has insight. Man, he gets where we're at. He gets the struggle that you're in. It says in Hebrews that we don't have a high priest that is out of touch with our reality, but he was tempted in every single way so that when we're in a time of need, we can come to the throne of grace and receive what we need. He's not out of touch. Jesus was tempted with comparison. Man, if, if the reason, comparison, really what it is, is pride. And pride just wishes we were on a different level. And the root of sin is pride. The reason why sin exists in this world is because Satan, Lucifer, wanted to be God. He was in heaven, and he was the worship leader, it says in the scripture, and he wanted to be God. And he's like, I wish I, I was in charge. I wish that I was running the show. And it's something that we all deal with is pride. Pride leads to comparison. Comparison leads to insecurity. Insecurity leads to doubt. And doubt leads to us doing nothing in our life. And that is the greatest trick the devil has ever played on, on humanity. Because if he can convince you that you're supposed to be somebody else, you'll never do the thing that God created you to be. And the true reality is there's no one else like you. There's no one else like you. Even if you're a fraternal twin in here, like there's no one else like you. Like, I'm telling you right now, there's no one else like you, and there's, there's no one that can do the things that you can do. And you're like, James, I can't do anything. I just want, like, there's no one else in here that can do the things you do. And although you may have got planted in a family that maybe wasn't the greatest, where you lost your job, or go down the list, fill in the blank, although you may be in that, that you got to know that God is with you and that he still has a plan for your life. And the only way that's going to work out is if we are ourselves. It's the only way it's going to work out. It's just the only way. Sometimes it's hard to deal with it inside. Sometimes it's hard to be alone with our thoughts. Sometimes we struggle with this reality. But friends, there's hope. In your darkest moment, God is light. And the reality that he created you to be you. That's what he wants to say to you tonight. That he, he didn't create anything wrong with you. He didn't, he, he, he didn't like, 
oh, I'm going to give that person good looks and that person, or I'm going to give that person great biceps. And James here, he's going to get a pot belly. Like, you know, like, I, you know, he wasn't like, no, 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 he, man, I just know my, if you know my dad, he's got a big pot belly. I just understood that that's just my design. And I just, I just came to grips with it. I'm going to take my shirt off at the pool, man. I just, I just know that this is the way that God made me, but for years I wished I was somebody else. For years I did. And that's not God's desire for you. So maybe you're in here, and we're going to pray in a moment. And if we can get the band back up. I just want to give a couple practical things to overcome this. Because we all struggle. Before I want to do that, I first want to give you the opportunity. If you're in this room and you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know what he did for you on the cross that day. Well, I want to tell you. John 3.16 says that he, God loved the world. For, for God to love the world that he gave his only son. That whomever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved you enough to give up his own son. Jesus loved you enough to give up his own life. To be the perfect sacrifice. Because, again, the root of our pride and comparison is sin. And he doesn't want you to live a life in sin. He wants you to overcome that. And he's given you the way out, which is him. By believing in him. By giving your life. By surrendering to him. And you're like, man, I want this kind of confidence. I want this kind of contentness. I want, I want it really bad, James. And, and I, man, I want, to, I want to meet Jesus. Well, man, I want to pray with you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity. Do you want to meet the person that created you? Do you want to meet and have a relationship, a lifelong one, that through thick and thin, through, through hell or high water, through, through whatever, someone who loves you enough that he'll never turn his back on you, someone that loved you even when you were a sinner, someone that died for you even when you were an enemy of him? Do you want a relationship with that person? Well, you can. And his name is Jesus. I want to pray a simple prayer, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something on the outside, to raise your hand as a sign of what's happening on the inside. And if that's you in this place, today's your day. Don't wait. Don't live another day uncontent, dissatisfied, or depressed. Live a life that God has for you, a relationship with a God who created the universe that loved you enough to give his life for you. If that's you in here, on the count of three, you can just raise your hand, and we'll just pray a simple prayer, and then I'd love to meet you after, get you a Bible, get you connected to a church. But if that's you in here, as best I can, I'll look around. Just me, everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. That's you, just raise up your hand. Just put your hand up. Thanks for that hand. So why don't we just repeat after me and then again, would love to chat with you after the service. Just a simple prayer. Let's all pray this. God, I see you now. I see that you love me. That you created me. That you want a relationship with me. And God, 
I haven't reciprocated that until now. God, I've messed up. God, I've sinned before. And I'm in need of a Savior tonight. God, will you be in a relationship with me? I believe in you. And I want to surrender my life to you. Thank you for your grace, God. And even though the journey is going to be hard, I now know you'll always be with me. for the rest of us and maybe for the person that gave their life to Jesus tonight man if you're struggling with these realities we're going to do two things it's going to be pretty practical and it's going to maybe be a little bit nerve wracking but the thing that I learned from David is that he was really vulnerable he was really transparent with God and if you're in that place and you just actually don't like yourself man just tell God it's not going to be like what you serious man like son, daughter, I love you. Let me help you love yourself. So right now, just as the band kind of plays behind, just instrumentally, if you just want to close your eyes, we're just going to take a minute and just get honest. And it may not be you don't like yourself, but you just don't like where you're at. Whatever it is, fill in the blank for yourself. But let's let's just get honest. Just take a moment and do that. Be transparent with the Lord. I mean, he already knows, but he actually wants to hear it from you. And there's power in that. He's calling you to be yourself. He's telling you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knit you in your mother's womb. If you want to continue in that, I encourage you to do so on your own time. 
again, the best time to get honest is just when you're alone, when your phone's off, it's silent. Jesus did this all the time. He snuck away to a silent, solitude place, solitary place. And he just was with his father and he heard what his father was saying. So I'd encourage you to do that. But the second thing, real practical, and this is, how, this again, if I didn't have a pastor Tim in my life, encouraging me and telling me, James, just be yourself. Prophesying over me, James, you are, you are who you are. And don't apologize for it. James, even though you're a little bit, uh, I was about to say crass. I'm like, well, maybe not crass. Maybe. Maybe you're a little bit out there, James. God's made you that way. If I didn't have someone in my life that, that spoke words of truth over me, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Pastor Tim or, or Eric, Pastor Eric Horstia. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to get honest with each other. Maybe you came alone and maybe you can get honest with a stranger. But it, one of the things that I've, I've learned to do is just say, man, so-and-so, man, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? And sometimes the thoughts that you have, if you would have just bounced it off somebody else, that would have been like, yo, that's not true. This is who I see. And maybe like, yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, shoot, I got to grow. We still got to grow, no question. But the real reality is two is better than one. And when one falls down, the other can lift them up. If you got friends like Hannah Baker who don't lift them up, don't lift her up. Man, find some new friends and you can find them here. So I'd encourage you. Done preaching, just talk to somebody. Could be one, two, three, four, whatever. But people that journey with you and that can encourage you and help you realize truly who you are. Take some boldness. But go ahead. If you want to be dismissed, we love you. We'll see you next week on Monday. Um, but I believe God wants to call you to himself, to be yourself. So go ahead. Just find somebody to chat with.